0: Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for preachers, teachers, and you, whoever you are. I'm Rev. Dr. Rachel Wren, Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies at Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University.
1: And I am Paul Esser, PhD student of Hebrew Bible at Yale University. Our co-hosts Rosie and Tim are off this week, but have no fear. Today's episode features preaching tips and tricks on the RCS text for Sunday, November nineteenth, 2023. The Sunday before Thanksgiving. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Rachel, you are out for this week. Um, where are we going this week, Rachel?
0: Well, so we're going on a rant, Paul. And that's just <laughs> like full disclosure to anybody listening today. Um, yes. I, I want to talk today about voices that are silenced. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, ways to preach through that. And um, <laughs> right before Thanksgiving, it's not a bad time to have this discussion because oh, yeah? the... Uh, The tradition of Thanksgiving in the United States has a a very specific narrative about um, how the colonialists and the Native Americans um, Mm -hmm. interacted. And Mm -hmm. sometimes those voices are silence that Mm. push against that narrative. So, um, you know, take this for what it's worth, preachers. But uh, before we get there, we need to do some context. And so before we get to rant, we're going to have a little fun because Judges 4 is a great, great story from a really tough book. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, right? A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Leviticus, how it was a book I avoided for a long time. Indeed. I don't really want to put this out into the universe, but since God already knows my innermost thoughts, let me just confess... <laughs> that Judges is another one of those books for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So okay. next writing uh, next writing is going to be on Judges, apparently. Oh. Judges doesn't play well with the other biblical narratives. Uh, mm. it's, its stories have a different flavor from a mm-hmm. lot of what we've seen thus far in Genesis and Exodus. Mm-hmm. Although there have been hints of similar stories along the way. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Think Zipporah's emergency circumcision of her and Moses' son in Exodus 4 to somehow stave off a divine attack when God, yes, you heard that right, attacked Moses on the way to Egypt, but then was driven away by the blood of their son's foreskin.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, (laughs) this is like one of those... Text of terror is that what they call it? Like a series of like oh really weird biblical passages. Judges nineteen is like
0: oh right, really
1: weird. Right, I mean, some passages in Genesis. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's one of the stories that like, oh, yeah, this is an ancient text that we still don't have a whole lot of context for understanding. Yes. Yes. So, you know, we've had some of those nutty stories leading up to this point. But Mm -hmm. Judges is as if someone took all of the crazy cousins of the biblical narrative and shoved them into one book. And, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons why Judges is another book of the Bible that shows up only one time in the Revised Common Lectionary. And I don't know why I'm surprised, but I feel like I need to just hunt this down, like what shows up and what doesn't. Yes. But one theory about Crazy Old Judges is that it contains really old material. Mm -hmm. You know, the stories in this book don't seem to know or care much about the Levitical Codes or the Deuteronomistic Covenant. Mm -hmm. There's splashes of that here and there, but sometimes even those are obvious redactive activity, you know, people Mm -hmm. putting in material later on. Mm -hmm. Whatever your theory is about how we got the book of Judges, the main point for the purpose of this podcast is that we have it. So we have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, here in chapter four, we get the beginning to one of the milder stories of the book of Judges, although even that isn't saying much. (laughs)
1: right Uh, you know thinking about like how old or like you know how ancient the book of judges is i think i remember correctly from my historical hebrew grammar class that some of the really old um you know grammatical things that we find in hebrew is in judges actually yeah
0: Yeah. right right so even the language itself is antiquated
1: the language is yeah it is it is it's, it's ancient
0: yeah and this story is you know one of those stories. So a a quick summary before we dive into the pericope we've been given. Mm -hmm. The book of Judges is a series of cycles of oppression to God's people and God's liberation of the people. Mm -hmm. In this story, God's people are in the stage of being oppressed by the Canaanites. Now, it's important to note that they become oppressed because they abandon God. Like Those things are, are highly linked in the book of Judges. But to solve the issue of oppression, which apparently has gone on for long enough that God hopes the Israelites will learn their lesson, Deborah, a prophet, summons an Israelite named Barak. God has told her that Barak needs to go fight off Sisera the Canaanite, who is oppressing the people. But when Deborah gives this news to Barak, he balks. He won't go into battle without her. She sort of shrugs her shoulders and says, fine, but if you won't trust God to lead you into battle, you're not going to get credit for the win. That's going to go to a woman. Now, the reader, and presumably Barak, assumes she's talking about herself, which doesn't seem to bother Barak at all. Mm -hmm. So they go up to battle Sisera. The Israelites, led by Barak, rout Sisera so completely that the fierce leader has to run away on foot and hide in a woman's tent, a yeah. woman named Jael. Jael covers him with a rug so that she can hide him. But once he's fallen asleep, she takes a tent peg and drives it into his skull, <sighs> killing him and fulfilling the prophecy that a woman will take credit for the win. And scene. <laughs> Boom.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you were told. Wow. Yeah. This is um it, it's like it's it has some gender undertones. Yeah. Number one. And then number two, it's really
0: violent. Yeah. It, right. And like I said, it's one of the milder stories of the book of judges. <laughs> but that violence is probably why the revised common lecture lectionary only gives us the bare, bare minimum of the story versus one right. through seven. It's like they give the opening prologue and then cut. Have you seen Star Wars number four? The like oh, yeah. the first one. Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, <laughs> imagine getting through that opening crawl of the story. You know those yellow words that flash up on the screen and orient yeah. you to what's happening. You you watch that and you're like, well, that was nice, and you turn the movie off. Yeah. Uh, and this is one of the things that frustrates me most about this particular pericope choice. Yeah. It actually cuts off before the prologue is even done. Mm. And that's damaging because it cuts off the whole point of the story. So in verse seven, where the story ends in our pericope, Deborah finishes quoting God's message to Barak. If you stop reading here, it sounds like Deborah is the messenger girl and Barak is the mighty warrior. His response, however is to place the agency and power back on to Deborah's shoulders. Barak is not the main character of this story. He's a side character. It's Deborah who takes center stage. But the way the RCL crafted this particular pericope cuts that out completely.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: not even sure why they chose to include this story if they were going to twist it in such a way that it actually completely undercuts the point of the story. <laughs>
1: Well, probably this is why advice advise uh, to preachers all the time to read everything. Comes yeah. in right? Just try and try and sit down and read everything, and maybe make a sense of the literary yeah. uh, context before you make any judgment. I would absolutely. say
0: absolutely, and include yeah. that in if you're gonna if you're gonna preach on this text, then preach more of this text. Like actually yes. include a cup at least a couple more verses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't usually say this about you know violent stories in the Bible, but this time I think the cutoff is such a shame. Because Deborah is an awesome character, but mm-hmm. her off- awesomeness is tamed not only by cutting off the point that she's the whole main character of the story, but also in a really terrible way by the translators here in Judges 4. Mm-hmm. When she's first introduced in verse 4, it says that she was Deborah, wife of Lapidot. Mm-hmm. That's not an uncommon way to introduce someone. But it is a bit odd in this context because, Mm -hmm. first of all, we've never heard of a man named Lapidot. And second of all, we never do again. Yeah, Mm -hmm. The construction of her title, wife of Lapidot, in Hebrew is eshet lapidot. Mm -hmm. Now, eshet can mean wife. It can also just mean woman. Mm -hmm. It's the same construction used in Proverbs to talk about the woman of valor, eshet Mm -hmm. chayil. And when we translate that, we do not say wife of a guy named Valor. So, is there something else that Lapidote could mean besides a man's name? Why, yes, friends, it doesn't have to be a name. Lapidote is a plural noun. In
1: yeah. the singular,
0: Lapide means lightning. Ooh. So, it could be translated Deborah, wife of a random dude named Lapidote. <laughs> Or (laughs) it could be Deborah, Woman of Lightnings. And if that's her title, then no wonder Barak didn't want to go into battle without her.
1: Indeed, who wants to go to battle with a woman with such a name, right? Right. The name is so telling. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) And I don't understand why translators choose the wife one. And I, I frankly am really disappointed that they didn't rectify that, that they didn't correct it for the updated NRSV. Mm. If you take the taming of Deborah that happens in the translation and add it to the frankly violent way that the RCL dismembers Deborah's role in the story, you're mm-hmm. left with a prologue where God calls yet another man to lead people into battle. And yeah. that is so not what this story is about. No. Nah. A- and that's actually my preaching point, though also really kind of a pitfall. Mm-hmm. How you tell a story matters you you can tell it so that you honor its intention and honor the characters in it or you can tell it in a way that you actually do violence to the voices by making them say something they never intended to say how are you telling stories and whose voices are you silencing yeah i, I wonder if that actually might be a place to start a sermon how are your people telling stories whose voices are they silencing for some They'll be silencing others' voices, folks on the margins, folks in the despised and forgotten areas. For others, they'll be silencing their own voices, telling them to do or not do something or to trust or not trust themselves. Still, others will be silencing God's voice, cutting off the narrative before we can get to the surprising divine conclusion. And friends, God does not want us to live stunted lives or to stunt the lives of others. So even if you don't preach on this text this week, may you all be eshet lapidot, women of lightnings as you preach.
1: Wow, (laughs) I like that. You you made me think a lot about the art of telling stories, but also realizing that telling stories is in itself political. Yeah. In that um, you keep depending on your intentions and motives of the storyteller. Some things can be highlighted, omitted. Or um projected to yeah. you know in, to instigate a certain feeling in response, yeah um, but you're really cautioning us to be careful of how we tell stories, especially thinking about uh, the voices that are storytelling, maybe silencing, I and how we so. name people, right
0: I think so, yeah, naming, yeah. oh my gosh, absolutely, like that could be a whole other sermon, but you know it, it's kind of an odd sermon preaching. Yeah. Idea because it's like preaching on the RCL almost more than it is preaching on the Bible. But right. I, I think that, you know, I think that people need to think about the way God calls them into mm-hmm. a life that, you know, Uplifts their voice, uplifts mm-hmm. others' voice, uplifts God's voice, and and the way mm-hmm. that a life lived in that way, you know, mm-hmm. is is maybe one characterized by lightning instead of one mm-hmm. characterized by a stunted growth. So.
1: I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. I would I would preach that Sweet. wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Rachel. Uh, this is awesome.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. You're welcome.
1: Thanks, all, folks. Uh, Fresh reading is produced by Rachel and me. Alongside Rosie and Tim, you can learn more about us and find past episodes on our website, firstreadingpodcasts.com Check out our merchandise on the website. And please, if you have found this useful, donate so that we can keep this podcast going. Leave us a comment on Facebook and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And until next time, my name is Paul Esser.
0: And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy preaching.